My voice may not be at 100%, but there's so much news going on with AEW that I have no choice but to talk about it here on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Let's get right down to it, Ralph. CM Punk. Talent meetings. Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. There's just so much to talk about here. So let's get down to it. We'll start off with this talent meeting that happened uh, at the pre- at the most recent taping of AEW Dynamite and uh, Rampage. And basically, it-, it seems like things have turned with AEW, where before AEW was the promotion where, you know, you could do no wrong. Now it seems like they can't do no right all of a sudden with all this backstage politics and change with with uh, talent relations and all that. So Tony Khan, he had a talent meeting with everybody. Talks about how, you know, Pat Buck spoke, Tony Schiavone spoke, Chris Jericho spoke, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and also the legal uh, officer, Mega Parik, I think is how you pronounce it. I apologize if I butchered that. Basically, the conversation started with the, the reported contract tampering with WWE. Also talked about the communication backstage, talking to the producers instead of Tony Khan. If there's ideas that need to be brought up, because, you know, we've heard that there's information that, you know, some talent are not being able to talk to Tony Khan. They're not getting their voice heard. Their booking isn't that good. So that was addressed. The Young Bucks talked as well. Uh, Chris Jericho talked. And their, you know, their speeches seem to be very well received. Tony Schiavone's was also well received. Kenny Omega, on the other hand, his not so much. It seemed like his was kind of heavy handed for some. Some felt like it was tough love. So what do you think of this talent meeting here from what we've heard so far from the reports of PW Insider? Well, there's there's so much that you can really go into and so many different things that you can focus on as far as who spoke, when they spoke, why they spoke. What did happen? What might have happened? What's a rumor? What's not a rumor? There's a few things that we can confidently say. One, the talent meeting, from what we understand, definitely absolutely took place and a couple of things were addressed. We know that there are have been have been issues or there were issues between Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara, unless that's some um, immaculate way of blurring the lines between of what's real and what's maybe happening behind the scenes in a, a, a shoot or a work. Um, then we know there's certainly an issue there. The CM Punk stuff, which we're certainly going to get into, who knows? Who knows what's real? Who knows what's a work? Who knows what's a shoot work between him, Hangman, uh, Moxley, and how all of them fit in between? Um, The one thing that we could say is this. For the longest time, especially on this show, uh, we've said forever that, you know, wrestling has followed certain patterns. Um, guys in the pro wrestling industry, most of them at least, thrive for that top spot, thrive for good creative, thrive for more time on TV. Some of them get a little insecure when they're in that top spot, and maybe it seems like they're going to lose that top spot to a young up-and-comer or the next guy that's hot or the next guy that they want to push. A lot of people felt like once AEW was created, once the inception of AEW was uh, uh, came to fruition here, they felt like AEW was like this isolated island where people were going to go there. Fans were going to love pro wrestling. It was going to be all about pro wrestling. 
and they would be free of any backstage politics or issues re revolving around mostly creative and cash, which is something that we've always kind of talked about on here. And right. we've said for the longest time that the, eventually, once the honeymoon phase is over, and it seems like it very much is over, at least from some of the fans' perspective and some of the backstage stuff that we're kind of hearing here, eventually this stuff was going to rear its ugly head. Um, I can't say I'm surprised uh, how much of it is actually true and how much of it is actually uh, fiction. Um, I, get, I guess we, we may know eventually down the road, but honestly, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Look, in pro wrestling, when you're thriving to be the guy, you're thriving to be in a certain spot, especially in a company like AEW where it's not like the WWE where they have endless amounts of time or you would assume uh, more time, three hours on Monday night, however many hours on Friday, whatever else in between to really highlight guys and progress storylines and things of that nature. They have two shows. They have Dynamite and they have Rampage and you can argue that they have Dark and all that stuff, but really... They have those two shows to really ensure that they have what I would consider a bloated roster gets enough attention. Frankly, in the past couple, I would say when I really started noticing it was mostly around Forbidden Door. I think Tony Khan has a tough time getting all of the main talent on TV, ensuring that they have enough time to kind of progress storylines and ensuring that he has enough time because he's only one man. And now he's also acquired Ring of Honor. He's working with Impact Wrestling. He's working with New Japan Pro Wrestling during the whole Forbidden Door thing. Ensuring that everybody is getting enough attention or getting the time to ensure that they are happy or satisfied with their creative. The more you spread yourself thin, the harder that's going to get. Um, and I felt like a lot of people thought that this was going to be just a company where these things didn't happen. But... I've always felt like these things were going to happen eventually. Yeah, it definitely seems like Tony Khan, and I think it predates before Forbidden Door. I think this all started when he acquired Ring of Honor because now he has all these Ring of Honor talent that he has to showcase so that they can get a TV deal or whatever the case may be with that. And then you have the New Japan crossover show you got to showcase that and you only have a month to build that pay-per-view. And now you're adding a new championship with the trios title and you throw in a new Japan trios into this tournament. And it seems like he's trying to please all these wrestling fans and trying to please the wrestling industry as a whole to where, Hey, let's, let's help impact out. Let's help new Japan out. We got to get ring of honor involved. And now it's come to the, the, you know, it, it, it's hurt his own product in AEW to do this because there's so many talent that are not getting the TV time that they deserve because we got to have Claudio have a Ring of Honor World Championship match against Dustin Rhodes. We need to build Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega storyline that could eventually lead to a match at Wrestle Kingdom and not on AEW. We have to have the Motor City Machine Guns on All Out to face FTR in a dream match that could end up on an Impact pay-per-view, not an AEW pay-per-view. And while, yes, there's some positive things that could happen with AEW, the benefit, I think, affects the other promotions more than it does AEW, and it's hurting them. And I think part of this talent meeting could kind of let people know like, all right, you may not get to Tony Khan specifically, 
but there are avenues to talk to somebody, whether that's Pat Buck, whether that's the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Tony Schiavone, you know, Sanjay Dutt, you know, those people that now have been the second tier to Tony Khan to get to Tony Khan and pitch those ideas. Because listen, this is kind of what WWE did. Vince McMahon makes the final decision or now Triple H makes the final decision, but there's always been a line of communication. Now, some might say that line of communication doesn't necessarily get to Vince McMahon, but now it's got to get to Tony Khan somehow. There has to be that line of communication. And I think that's what this Talamina kind of had where like, listen, the wheel kind of broke here. We're fixing it. And now here's the way that you can fix it and help us grow. Not everybody could be the top guy. Not everybody could be shown out all the time. But if you have good ideas and Tony Khan likes those good ideas, you will be showcased. At the end of the day, the goal is to get more people watching, more people to buy pay-per-views, more people to buy merch. And while at first you might've been more relied on, we got some bigger fish here with CM Punk, with Brian Danielson, with Adam Cole, that some of your spots are going to get taken because of that. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Unfortunately, it's not. So if you guys have a problem with that, speak up or get out. That's kind of what the, the ultimatum is. And maybe that's what Kenny Omega was trying to get at here. Yeah, I, and that's the tough thing because we really don't know the full context of what each individual person said. I did read that, you know, uh, for, for what it's worth, Kenny Omega's speech or rally cry or whatever you want to call it there uh, didn't necessarily sit well with some of the talent. Um, right. And, you know, that's not really all that different than when you look at it from a fan perspective, when people say, well, I don't like WWE because I don't like sports entertainment. And I don't, you know, a WWE fan might say, I don't like AEW because I don't like what their product is. It's different visions. It's where you see yourself and how you see yourself performing. And if Tony Khan isn't going to let certain wrestlers, um, perform the way that they want to perform or wrestle the way they want to wrestle or, you know, more or less put the creative out that they want to put out, whether that's Tony Khan or Kenny Omega or whoever, if their compass of what pro wrestling is supposed to look like doesn't align, well, of course you guys aren't going to agree. Can you sit down and kind of come and meet in the middle? Yeah, of course you can, but it seems like one of the biggest issues there right now is they do have so many people under contract and with the acquisition of Ring of Honor, Tony Khan, if he was going to be spread thin with just his uh, core group of guys there in AEW and who we had under the roster, of course, it's going to be more difficult trying to ensure that, uh, you know, everybody's satisfied on the Ring of Honor side, too, because not only is he dealing with just creative, but you got to think there's the business side of it. He's got to deal with people at the network or wherever else he's got to deal with. He's got to ensure that the financials make sense. And when you start looking at all of that behind the scenes stuff and taking that into account, how much time can this guy actually dedicate towards meeting with each individual guy about each individual gripe? It's just unrealistic to think that one Vince McMahon for all the people that wanted to be critical of him. It was naive to think that he could do it. I think it's naive to think that Tony Khan can do it by himself. Um, and and I, I think this was probably an attempt to answer. I think what I would consider uh, maybe a, not so much a threat from WWE, but I, I don't think it's any secret that under Triple H, 
they're getting a lot more attention. I think that wrestlers have reacted to that. I think that people want to see Triple H succeed. I think the product has certainly enhanced and been much better since Triple H has taken over creative there. And this whole tampering thing with contracts and whatever else, look, maybe WWE reached out to somebody that they weren't supposed to reach out to. But do we know for certain that that person in AEW that they were trying to contact or talk to didn't at least have an open mind to it? And I think that's one of the things that we're going to see over the next course of however many years. I do think AEW is going to lose talent. I think they're going to lose a top tier guy. I've said that forever. Um, can I put it past a guy like a Wardlow or FTR or whoever to go back to WWE or, F or Wardlow to go to WWE Jade? No, I can't. And I say that because I've watched wrestling for so long that if I saw who was really the embodiment of what WWF used to be back in the day and Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, guys like that, the guys that were the top tier guys in the WWF back in the day, go and jump to a rival promotion like WCW and you're going to tell me somebody like a Wardlow or somebody won't do that and your main reasoning is, well, it's AEW, it's different. It's not different. It's pro wrestling. It's happened forever as long as pro wrestling has existed. Um, so I think there's added pressure on Tony Khan knowing that WWE product has gotten better over the past, what, month and a half, two months since triple early. Yes, but gotten better. Absolutely. Right. No, I agree. There's definitely been at least it, it seems like what AEW was in October 2019 is what we're seeing with WWE right now. And that, you know, everything is new. Everything is fresh. You're seeing some of the changes Triple H wants to imply and it's gotten positive reviews and they're in a honeymoon phase. And I'm sure three years down the line, we might be having the same conversation about Triple H that we're having about Tony Khan right now. So, you know, it's just, you know, if you expect any business, whether it's a wrestling promotion or fast food chain or, you know, a startup company, whatever the case may be, to have all these peaks and it's just peak, 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 peak and never have a valley, you're naive. You really are naive to think that. AEW right now is in a valley. And it's experienced their first valley. And I think there are some fans that think that this valley is going to be, oh, this is it. You know, AEW is going to see their demise within five years or whatever the case may be. They're never going to get out of this. You know, it's impact wrestling all over again. Or, you know, Tony Khan can't get out of this. He doesn't know how to, you know, overcome adversity. We don't know because this is really the first time we've seen, you know, a heavy amount of fans actually notice some of the problems in AEW. We're starting to see some podcasters and journalists be like, you know what? AEW has some flaws and they have to address some things. And does Tony Khan overcome it? Maybe, maybe not. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic and think that Tony Khan can because we're seeing some of the changes. We're seeing that, you know, he's building a talent relations team ahead of him that wrestlers can go to when they see issues. Now, does that lead to Tony Khan hearing those issues and making those changes? That's what has to be determined. We see all this drama with CM Punk, you know, and this is a guy that Tony Khan went to a press conference and defended and saying like, this is our flag carrier now. He's the guy that brought in X amount of dollars, X amount of ratings, X amount of pay-per-view buys. It's CM Punk that started this and, you know, we're we just approached the one year anniversary of his return on that episode of Rampage. And look what he's done with AEW. His match with CM Punk, with uh, John Moxley 
which granted was only three minutes, got a huge rating spike this past week. And let's talk about CM Punk because a lot of the drama, a lot of the news that's talking about is regarding CM Punk. And some might say the old CM Punk is back where he's disgruntled. He's going to walk out. There were reports that he might not even show up to the August 17th episode of Dynamite, which is the one where he called out Hangman Page. And there were some people in AEW that speculated like, that kind of put Hangman Page in a, a lose-lose situation because either A, he no-shows and looks bad, or B, he shows up when Punk calls him out and he goes against the script and what Tony Khan was going for there. And Punk kind of went into business for himself and we've heard the stories with CM Punk and Hangman that they might not like each other. It might be a, revolved around Colt Cabana who might have not gotten renewed his contract in AEW. But thanks to some people fighting for him, he at least got a contract with Ring of Honor. He's not involved in the Dark Order anymore. There's also the speculation that, you know, Punk might have gone to business for himself when he called out, the, uh, called out Hangman Page. So there's all that speculation. There's the speculation that the reason that CM Punk lost the match the way he did on Dynamite was Tony Khan was putting his foot down and like, listen, I'm not going to be a pushover. You might be the biggest name, but this is my company, damn it. You know, you're not calling the shots. I am. So you're going to lose this match. You're going to lose it the way you will. And that's it. But then there's also the speculation or the rumor, according to Dave Meltzer, that Moxley and Punk is still the main event of All Out. So if that's the case, why the hell did they book this match the way they did? I think part of it is his foot is not fully healed and they sold that as part of the story. I also think at the same time, if the all out main event is what it is, you kind of have to scratch your head like what the hell is going on? Are they doing this just to kind of pop a rating and get people talking, which it did, it worked. But does that hurt the pay-per-view buy rate at the same time? Because it kind of loses the heat that was going into the match. That's that's the tough part. Obviously, we're going to have to tune into Dynamite and see what the... Hopefully, there's some type of follow-up as to what happened with that. If, if this match is actually going to take place, do I think that some fans are going to kind of be uh, a little... Um, dejected from ordering the pay-per-view following that three-minute match? I mean... He gave it away for free. Punk got dominated. Now, yes, there's a million ways you could work your way out of that. Um, and again, you don't know if it's just part of the story or if it's because CM Punk legitimately went into business for himself, like people are kind of suggesting. You, I, I really don't think we're going to find out the answer to those questions until maybe further down the road. Like if Punk decides he's going to do a podcast like he did when he left the WWE or something like that. Um for me personally, could it does it pique my interest more to purchase the pay-per-view? I can't say it really does much for I'm watching the pay-per-view either way, but can I say like, hey, that's the reason I'm gonna watch it? Probably not, because honestly, that was gonna be the main event anyways. Having Punk come out and say he's hurt, uh, to me only kind of diminishes it a little bit more to say, let me tune in again. But anyway, I, I think the tough thing is. There's a lot of rumors right now. 
a lot of things going around on the internet. There's some of it that's true, like I said, with Kingston and Guevara. Uh, there's some of it that's speculation about Hangman and Punk. There's these conversations about backstage meetings with Tony Khan and all this stuff. Um, and I think all of that kind of points to the direction of AEW needing to get back to its roots, start telling good stories again week in and week out, because I feel like a lot of the stories that we're getting are every three weeks or every four weeks where it used to be, hey, Max and Cody are feuding every week. You got to watch because there's going to be a big development or there's going to be an epic promo or something's going to happen because that's what used to set Dynamite apart from other shows. It used to have that one thing that kept people talking. Now, are people talking about how Mox dominated punk? Yes. Long term, is that going to have a benefit? Uh, I'm not so sure. Am I going to tune into Dynamite to see if there's any follow-up? Absolutely. Um, but if there is no follow-up, and if Punk isn't even on Dynamite and Punk's not going to main event all out, that's when I'm going to start to say, okay, he's either hurt or there's definitely something going on backstage that we don't truly know about. Or there is a little more truth to some of this rumor and innuendo, in my opinion. Right. No, I, I think... I, I think there's I think there's validity in both speculations. I still think Punk is not at a hundred percent, and I think the injury is worse than people think it is. And Punk thought it was. I also think the backstage politics stuff. There's some validity to that, but I think at the same time, you know, Tony Khan might be at a crossroads here where. All right, who really is the face of AEW? Punk or Moxley? And I think or that's Kenny. why this is the money match. I or don't Kenny. Think Kenny. I, you don't think so, but here's the thing. Because Kenny can come out and say whatever he wants about egos and who's here for the right reasons and who's not there for the right reasons. Those are three big names in pro wrestling. And when you look back to the fruition of AEW, I mean, look, it was... It was it, it came off the uh, popularity that the Bucks and mostly Kenny Omega were able to generate in other companies. You know, Kenny Omega was to many considered the best pro wrestler however many years ago before AEW in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And his feud with uh, Okada was essentially one of the catalysts that led to AEW to, to having people even have an interest in anything outside of WWE on a large scale. Um, Jericho was obviously a part of that, but when you have those three big names, could you, let's, let's pretend you're CM Punk and there's a legitimate beef there between you and hangman, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing hangman has this relationship with the Bucks, with the EVPs with, well, I don't know if they're EVPs anymore, but whatever they are, uh, you get the point, uh, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, and you're listening to, and again, this is an assumption you're listening to Kenny Omega more or less get up there in front of everybody and tell you what it means to be an AEW and why you're this and why you're that and why you have to be bought into this and what's expected of you. If you're CM Punk, who's been to the highest of highs performing at WrestleMania, the biggest name in WWE, however many years ago, if that isn't again, aligned with what you think pro wrestling should look like, like, are you going to take that seriously coming from a guy like Kenny Omega? Do you like, what would you want to be reprimanded by a guy that you probably think you're better than and a bigger star than. Because I'm sure CM Punk, deep down inside, probably thinks he's a bigger star than Kenny Omega. So that well, might CM fall Punk in deaf ears. CM Punk thinks he's a bigger star than a lot of people. 
I mean, he think is about a bigger why he walked out of WWE make, I, because because he walked out because he thought the match with Triple H that was rumored was not good enough for him, and he walked out because of that. Right. So so we know whether he wants to admit it or not. Punk thinks of himself very highly. You could take that as him being arrogant, or you could take that as him just having confidence in himself. So imagine him in a room amongst other talent being uh, reprimanded or told what to do by a guy like Kenny Omega. Do you think that's going to go over too well? If, I mean, in my opinion, probably not. So when you have those personalities, again, it's happened so many times in pro wrestling. You could put Kenny Omega, Moxley, and, and, uh, and, and Punk at the top of wherever you want on the, the, the Mount Everest of who's the most important AEW, if you ask each individual one of them, I'm sure they're going to say me. And if you ask Jericho, he's probably going to say himself too. So that's where these things start to happen. So um, as far as the face of the company, I think Tony Khan really needs to figure out wh- what direction his company is going to go in. Because a- at some point you're going to have to, if, if there's these issues, like you said, put your foot down or steer the boat in the right direction and tell people, look, I'm sorry, you're just not going to do that. And that may come at the expense of some guys saying, okay, I'm done here and leave. No, I, I agree what you're saying there. But, you know, back to what I was saying about the face of the company, because while Moxley and Punk have similar ideologies and similar approaches to what they believe is, you know, makes AEW the best product and, you know, you know, Moxley saying that WWE's crap or that Monday, Friday night crap that he did on off the air or whatever that case may be. You know, I think this match, if it does happen at all out is going to tell you where Tony Khan believes the future of AEW lies in CM Punk or John Moxley. Now John Moxley's younger than CM Punk. So you would think Moxley's that guy. But at the same time, they both kind of have their negative connotations to whether it's Punk's ego or Moxley's approach to deathmatch wrestling and always having a bleed and the case may be. They both, I think, could help AEW get back to where they were as the alternative to WWE, not the competition to WWE. And I think that kind of has been lost the last few months in AEW where they're not being the alternative to to WWE. They're kind of just being this like, Hey, let's just throw a bunch of matches together. And that's not worked. I think with Moxley and punk as characters that you could gravitate towards, that's going to help them get back to where they were. Now, as far as the validity of punk's injury, I know a lot of people said, Oh, he sold the wrong foot. Listen, as someone that actually broke his leg spinning around, I could tell you that actually can happen where he re-aggravated the injury on the pivot foot. So those that saying he sold the wrong foot, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're an idiot. But I do think the match does happen again. And I think the story that's going to be told is, can Punk's foot last longer than three minutes? And they're going to tell that story and it's going to make that match better. Now, the fact that you only have a week to tell this story kind of puts them in, unfortunately, no pun intended, but the wrong foot for this. Uh, I I think they need a little bit more development. And I think Punk's injury kind of hurt them, again, no pun intended, to build this match. 
You only have, what, two, three weeks to build the match. You already threw the match in as part of the story. So now you have only one week to follow up with it. Yeah. And that kind of hurts the build up to this match. Now, I know some people thought, oh, this meant MJF was going to return. And that was going to build the match of Punk versus MJF at All Out. And again, you only have one week to follow up with this. So I think the timing is just bad on this. If they had two more weeks to build up with this, I think we're talking a whole different conversation with All Out. Honestly. If but, it's not Punk, let, let's, let's play devil's advocate. Let's imagine the worst of the, the rumors are true. Punk's a backstage cancer. There's all these issues. Tony Khan put his foot down, buried him and said, go home, think about if you want to be here, whatever the case may be. And he's hurt. And that too. Who does Mox wrestle? Who is even if who the is even matter, in that conversation? Who is who can even be? And this goes back to the booking too. Who could even be in that conversation to say, you know what? You've been booked so strong that there's no doubt in my mind you're going to main event and go against Mox. I can't think of anybody. If you I go really by can't. the rankings, if you go by no, the rankings, no, no, the only one that makes sense is Hangman because he's the number one ranked wrestler. And I, I go back to what I said. Who's been booked or put in a position to made to feel like you could walk the who who is the guy that could just walk out and be like, yeah, I'm at Mox's level. I they, there's been nobody that's booked strong. I honestly, and that's gonna be my opinion. I know we're gonna talk about this in the next episode we're gonna record. I think the booking over the last several months, probably since Forbidden Door, in my opinion, has been atrocious for a number of reasons. Um I don't think there's anybody that you could walk out there and say this is a legitimate threat to Moxley because he's been the one guy that's been on TV consistently having matches, going through wars, uh, booked strongly. I mean, you pull up the rankings, you're probably going to see like, I'm sure you'll obviously Wardlow will be there because he's a champion. You might see Jericho. You might see like Daniel Garcia. I haven't even looked at the the, the rankings, but Daniel Garcia might be up there. It's just... There's nobody that's at that level right now. They haven't positioned anybody. And this is one of the things with pro wrestling. It's not just about throwing rankings out there and saying, okay, well, this guy's a major star. He's won some matches on dark. He's ranked highly or uh, saying, well, this guy came from WWE or from uh, one of the most over guys uh, on the indie scene. So naturally we're, we're going to push this guy because he's got some steam behind him. It's about the perception in pro wrestling. Or are they going to walk out Mance Warner for a rematch? Because they, they've certainly pushed that guy well since his competitive match against Moxley, right? Because that was the big thing. Oh, well, let's see where it goes. No, it's about making sure that your guys feel like they're of significance and importance if they're going to be at the top tier. Right now, I don't see anybody that is even at that level of Moxley other than Punk. So I pulled up the rankings while you okay. were you know, having your monologue there. Number five is Brian Danielson, who I thought was actually going to be the opponent for Moxley or Punk, whoever won, because he's been showcased. He didn't have an opponent until this past Wednesday, announces Jericho. And you have the tie-in with both of them, kind of. So I thought that was where they were going to go. But obviously that's not happening because it's Danielson versus Jericho. And I thought it was going to be Garcia versus Jericho. That's not happening. Number four is Darby Allen, who, <laughs> when was, he hasn't wrestled, I think, since his coffin match. 
he made an appearance, I think, this past week, right? Oh, no, that was on Rampage, I think, where he came out with Sting. I don't Maybe. even know if he was on Dynamite this past week. I don't think he was. Number three is Jay Lethal, who's in that trios match with Motor City Machine Guns, Wardlow, yeah. and FTR. Number two is Powerhouse Hobbs, who's in a you know, match with Starks. And number one is Hangman. That's How is Hangman right Page now. ranked one? That's that's what's mind-boggling to me because he was the former like it just it's just again, we've gone over the rankings a million times, but it's it's mostly about the perception. Hangman Page has been reserved for like backstage segments with the Dark Order, and he's hard he's hard I feel like he's hardly on TV. So how can you just have somebody come out and be like, okay, well, we're just going to accept it as this guy's at the same level. That's not how wrestling works, man. It's just not. Um, I don't know. So that's why I say if, if, if it's legitimate and punk is not main eventing, I don't know that, that, that might put them in a bad spot. Yeah, of course you could bring Brian Danielson out there and people are gonna be like, oh my God, this is a dream match. But what then? What then? Why? You know what you, you could do. I mean, this is not really the way to do this, but I know WCW did this once where they closed a pay-per-view. I can't remember exactly which pay-per-view it was, but Sting was the world heavyweight champion and he issued an open challenge to close out the pay-per-view and Goldberg came out even though Goldberg had a match earlier in the night and Goldberg ended up winning the, the heavyweight title against Sting. And the only reason I know that is because it was part of Goldberg's like best of that WWE yeah. Network did. But you might be able to do that again where if Punk is unable to, to perform, Moxley issues an open challenge on Dynamite and he walks out there and that's your main event. Like who's going to answer the call? And maybe Danielson, even though he wrestled earlier in the night against Jericho, challenges moxley and it's like whoa 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 you guys are both in the blackpool combat club what the hell is this all about yeah. and you kind of create that story moxley's like you know that's bullshit and maybe you build to that being the main event of full gear i don't see why not that's not a bad idea i think i know some people might be like do you really want an open challenge to sell pay-per-views i understand that you part but i think AEW's audience at this point they're going to buy the pay-per-view regardless. That's that's they're just such a dedicated audience that you can have, you know, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh versus Eric Cartman in the main event and they're going to buy it anyway. They just will. But, you know, one match that is on that card for All Out is Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara. And there was this promo that happened on Rampage that ended up getting edited out because it led to a backstage altercation that led to Eddie Kingston getting suspended because of it. You know, apparently Eddie Kingston did some kind of physicality to, to Sammy Guevara. And, you know, the information got out. Now people are fat shaming Eddie Kingston on social media. They're attacking Sammy Guevara for being a cancer backstage. And it led to both of them, you know, going to bat for each other. Like, listen. Stop going after Sammy. Stop going after Eddie. What happened backstage is over. We're having our match at All Out. And that's it. So, and even Eddie Kingston was like, I was unprofessional. What I did was wrong. I actually appreciate Eddie Kingston in this regard where, yeah, he was pissed off for what happened. It wasn't talked about beforehand. 
And, you know, you got both of them going to bat for each other, which I like and I don't like at the same time. Like, yes, they're working for they're working with each other. So you kind of same team, you go up for your teammates, whatever. But at the same time, you're trying to build a match. So you're kind of throwing the heat away where it's like, this is kind of like a good focal point of the story. Run with it on social yeah. media. But at the same time, you don't want to enable fans to fat shame Eddie Kingston or go after the, you know, the character of Sammy Guevara. And I don't mean that on screen. I mean like his actual personal character. So where do you lie in this, this thing? It's like, I get them going to bat for each other, but at the same time, like you're supposed to be hating each other on TV right now. I mean, the best thing they could have done, they could have both responded to the online critics. One, they could have ignored it altogether, which would have been fine. They could have addressed the critics without acknowledging each other, which would have been fine, too. And then it could have kind of played into the story leading into the match. Um, there's a number of ways they could have done it. I honestly try not to pay attention to what's going on on Twitter too much because sometimes it just gets maddening with um, just exactly what we're talking about that led to this whole thing for them sticking up with one another as far as, you know, fans and just uh, sometimes when their fandom just becomes too much and the tribalism and um, sometimes social media just gets to the point where it's more about trying to bring somebody down and make them feel like crap more than just like actually interacting. So, yep. Um, I get, I guess I certainly could appreciate both of them sticking up for one another, especially because they both might've done things that they regret. And it's cool to see that they can kind of move past that and be professional. Um, you know, so that's my, my take. Right. And the, and the whole, you know, first off the promo itself. And I think this is kind of a problem. I think this is a problem in pro wrestling today where, and I think this is kind of where Eddie Kingston was going at here, where it's like, you're making the match look bad because you're pointing out a huge negative where if I beat you, it makes you look bad. And if you beat me, it means nothing. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of promos today focus on trying to dig at their opponent and making them look bad. And, you know, the same thing happened with Kenny Omega, where he, you know, put dig after dig after dig on Will Ospreay and people were loving this. But what does that mean if Kenny Omega beats Will Ospreay? You beat oh, yeah, a guy you that you these... thought was beneath you. Right. You Oh, you have all these five-star matches, but no one remembers them. You're supposed to build this up as like, oh yeah, this is a dream match. Why is it a dream match? First of all, you got people all, like, why is it a dream match? First of all, he should speak more to the opponents and the caliber of opponents that they've both beaten or the people that they've beaten recently and not talk about star ratings. Star ratings yes. is for Twitter nonsense. How right. that even comes up, because essentially a star rating is acknowledging that the performance of pro wrestling was pleasing to one individual. The performance. Yeah. You're not out there to, to convince the fans that this is some sort of performance, like a dance that you guys are participating in and one man gives you five stars or a 10 out of 10 or whatever the case may be. You're out there to convince the fans that you truly don't like each other and that you guys are going to fight for a specific reason because there's, there's a dispute. And he's out there talking about star ratings. So nonsense, in my opinion. Right. 
But back to the the Sammy thing where he's like, oh yeah, he's a you know Kingston's a fat piece of shit just like everyone else in the the audience here. <laughs> yes, insult the audience to get heat. That happens all the time. But when you start insulting your opponent that way, what happens if you lose to the fat piece of shit? You look terrible. And if you beat the fat piece of shit, it's like, well, you're supposed to. See, and he could have he could worked the shit. He could he could have definitely worked his way around that by making kind of just adjusting what he was saying. He could have talked about his dedication. The reason that Teddy Kingston hasn't gotten to the pinnacle of pro wrestling is not because he isn't skilled. It's because he's not dedicated. And he could have talked about it that way. So it's not like bringing him down. It's more or less like you won't beat me because you're not as dedicated as me. Um, right. Indirectly kind of referring to the fact that he might be overweight or whatever. But, you know, it's no different than being a guy in the NFL that has all of the talent in the world. You get drafted number one and then you're just not dedicated. You don't keep yourself in shape. You're partying all the time at Johnny Manziel. I mean, th there's a million stories like that. Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, you could he could speak to that in a different way without being like, dude, you're fat. There's no way you're in my in my realm or you can't beat me exactly. or whatever, you know? Right. And I think, you know, and WWE does this too. A a huge example of this was when Roman beat Brock. And that first promo that he cut was, I've been everybody. There's no one left. I'm going home. And that the viewer, you know, could think like you haven't beaten Lashley. You haven't beaten AJ Styles. You haven't beaten, you know, and they go down the list of guys yeah. you haven't beaten yet. You, you know, you beat Kevin Owens, but always through nefarious means. You just buried your entire roster by saying, I beat everyone. There's no one left. And then no one answers, which yep. makes it worse. You know, you got Britt Baker too. That's saying, oh, the women's division is nothing without me. What happens when, you know, you beat them. You already told them they're nothing. It makes everybody look bad. And I think this is a problem with promos today that they're so focused on making the other person look bad instead of, and a great example of this was this past Friday on SmackDown, Sheamus and Gunther. Sheamus talked about all the people he's beaten. You know, he, you know, Gunther reminds him of himself builds up Gunther, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I'm going to do to beat you. I'm going to beat you because you are important and that Intercontinental Championship is important to me. And Gunther didn't go, nope, Seamus, all that was done in the past. You suck. No. I am the ring general. I'm going to beat you. That's all it was. And it was so effective. Why can't promos be like that again today? Today, it's all about, oh, let me dig into this. Let me Find some dirt on you and bring that up. No. You know? Shock value. It's all for shock value. And when you do it so much, you get numb to the shock value. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem today. Another problem that might be today with some promos is their use of language. And the reason I bring this up is because this was part of the thing that was reported throughout this week in AEW was Meltzer reported that... Uh, WB Discovery feels like they need to tone down the language in AEW. Now, obviously, this was uh, rebuked or refuted by Will Washington of Fightful in the report saying that. I think the, the wording got kind of taken out of context. The relationship between WB Discovery and AEW seemed to be good. And 
We see the crossover promotions in AEW. We see a lot of promotion on other shows. So, you know, maybe they could tone down the language a little bit, but it's it's more like Tony Khan telling the wrestlers, like, guys, let's, you know, you could, they might have to worry about this in the future if you go a little overboard with it. Just don't do it all the time. So what are your thoughts on the whole language conversation here in promos and the need to say things like shit or bitch or whatever that it's not necessarily needed, but some people go to that just to go to there. I think they do it specifically because they think the fans will pop for it. Um, you know, but again, like even jungle boy, he came out and he cut that promo, but it was only effective because you haven't seen him use that type of language or get that fired up before, uh, guys like Moxley, whoever else. I mean, they use that language regularly and it's kind of like oh here we go again he's he's just trying to do this to stir up the fans or and and honestly i've told you this forever it seems like everybody's giving flipping each other off everyone's giving the finger everybody's doing uh giving you know whatever and it's kind of like dude that's not it's not when you do it a million times in a show it's kind of like dude just stop just stop like it's embarrassing meanwhile you're wearing a stone cold steve austin shirt who did because nothing he was, but flip people off. <laughs> absolutely, because when he did it, number one, it was cool. It was like, you know, that fit his character. Now I think people just do it to just do it to be like, look how badass I am. Look at me. And it's like, dude, we've seen it. Stone Cold did it. He did it better than anybody. Like, you're 160 pounds. Stop flipping people off. It doesn't scare anybody. It's not cool. You know what I mean? So I yeah, think there, yeah, I get what you're saying to, to an extent. And I think, you know, WWE... Anytime a female cuts a promo, they get the, ooh, it's always bitch. Yep. They're always calling someone a bitch. And that always gets that, ooh, you know. And I, I think, you know, the, the language part is just, like, it, I'm not saying don't swear at all. Right. But I think it just needs their place. Like, when MJF, when he cut his promo and calling Tony Khan and FM Mark and all that stuff. And it's like out of emotion where like you can't help yourself, but to swear that's one thing. And jungle boys promo where it's like, he has all this pent up frustration that like those words just vomited out. That's one thing. But I think now it's like, You say that you say shit, you say bitch, just to say it, it kind of loses its value. And that's a problem. And, you know, I I think where, you know, the whole TV 14 TV PG thing and people saying like, oh, WB wants them to tone down the language. They're going to go to WWE and be TV PG. No, you could be a TV MA and not swear once. You could be a TV 14 and not swear once you could be a TV PG and not like, it's more about the story and the the thing that's being told. That's the problem, you know? And I think I, I, I tweeted this out recently on our, po- our Twitter at SCPB podcast. Some of the best movies never swore. Some of the best TV shows don't swear. Some of the best comedians tell jokes without swears. And some of the best promos didn't have swears in them. We talk about the pipe bomb with CM Punk. How many swears were in that promo? Dusty Rhodes hard times. How many times did he swear in that promo? Never. 
There are no swears in that promo, in either one of those promos. You don't need to swear to have a good promo. I think today, people use that as a crutch, not a tool. No, I, I agree. And sometimes, you know, less is more. Even when you look at like a, a, an example where, you know, swearing can be effective. You take a guy like Brock where it's like the guy never talked, never used to talk. Heyman was his mouthpiece. He never used to talk. He had that interaction with uh, Heath Slater and he told him, I don't give a shit about your kids. And the, the fans reacted because it's like, one, you never hear from this guy. Two, he set it up where it was like the delivery came perfectly because he was like talking to the fact that, you know, I got kids, man, I understand you're trying to do what's the right thing. And then he's just like, how cold hearted to just be like, I don't give a shit about your kids. You know, right. and that's where it can be effective. But when it's week after week after week of the same guy making the same point with the same promo, it's like you're just saying these things to try and make yourself look of importance or threatening or cool or have an edge. And it's like there's other ways to do that. You don't need to do it where uh, other people haven't had to do it. So, you know, what I, swearing certainly doesn't bother me. I swear like a sailor. So it doesn't right. bother me one way or the other, but it just gets excessive when it's like, look, you can obviously tell this guy's just doing it to do it. Right. No, exactly. And like we're both. Italian American kids from the tri-state area. So swearing is like second nature is like easy for us. We could swear at nauseam if we wanted to. But even on this show, like I try to filter myself just, you know, because I have experience in radio, I've always had that filter in my head. Like there's a microphone in front of me. I don't need to swear. I don't need the FCC coming at me. So I try not to swear unless it's really warranted. And then, you know, that's, second nature but you know that's i think something that these veterans need to work on with the newer talent and like you know you could say it without having to swear and how to get that approach and if you can't make that connection with the audience without swearing that's a problem i think maybe i'm wrong but you know i want to bring this i want to close this up with some good news ralph not necessarily with AEW but Good news with our podcast here. We recently brought up memberships on the YouTube channel and offering some perks with our audience, which include early access to episodes, you know, prioritizing questions answered on our Ask SBC, Ask SBC episodes, including ad-free episodes. You guys could click the join button on underneath all our videos or click the link in the description to join our memberships. And, you know, if you can't afford the memberships, no worries. Just subscribe to our channel. That gets more views to our our audience and grow this community, which we want to have by commenting below also helps. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble. <laughs>